Welcome to the Kingdom Women Podcast, a podcast by and for women who seek to fully and freely live the gospel reality of Christ's kingdom come. Through our candid conversations here, our desire is that our union with Christ will deepen and that His kingdom will come in us and through us, that we all may be free indeed. Well, here we are again, another episode of the Kingdom Women's Podcast, and we are happy to welcome a guest on the panel this evening. Um, our topic tonight is gentle parenting. And we have with us Patricia Ann Lewis from Ohio somewhere, right? Patricia, why don't you introduce yourself? I mean, it's, it's all of us, most of our regular panelists here, Rosanna, Rebecca, Sarah, O, Gwen, Sarah, N is not able to be with us tonight, but we have Patricia Ann. Do you go by Patricia Ann or just Patricia? Just Patricia, or even Trisha. Patricia. Oh, Trisha. Okay, Trisha. Trisha, it is then. So, Trisha, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, and um, maybe along with that, what has, um, yeah, how did you get introduced to this parenting style that has become known as gentle parenting? Um, yeah, how did you become acquainted with it, and what has, how is it? Why has it become your passion, or why have you become passionate about this? This style of parenting um my okay so who i am i'm patricia lewis i grew up uh, in a mennonite church and then um went to college and became a teacher and i ended up in japan and that's how my husband and i met he is not japanese <laughs> um but mm -hmm. he was working overnight while i was in you know working daytimes in japan and so the internet also played a part anyway it's a fun story <laughs> mm -hmm. and so that's how we met and got together. And the, yeah, he came back to the United States and we started attending a Mennonite church. He ended up um, pastoring there for about six years as an assistant pastor. Um, and I quit teaching to stay home with my kids and homeschooled them until just this year. And I'm actually back in a classroom for the first time in, well, 15 years. Oh, you. <laughs> I see. That's awesome. So um, that's the, you know, short story. How I got into gentle parenting, it's really kind of a gradual thing. It probably started with um, someone recommending um, sleep training for my babies and um, tried it and it went very badly. And I kind of said, I will never do that again. Um, when you just say, because it was... Just, just to clarify, when you say sleep training, do you mean as in like cry it out kind of? Of course. <laughs> yes, okay. that's what sleep training was is, that I knew of. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I tried that. It did not go super well. And um, so I kind of said, I'm not going to do that again. That doesn't mean none of my kids ever went to, you know, that they didn't go to sleep on their own. They actually learned to do that very well. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> but ever since then, it was kind of just a gradual, I don't know the best way to put it. Maybe saying maybe not, this, m maybe the same things don't work for me as everybody else maybe there is another way to do it that might even be better and I'm the kind of person who just kind of looks into things questions reads that's probably my biggest thing is I read a lot and then um, it was when we did foster parent training that I probably got the most instruction in alternate methods of parenting like different tools for the parenting toolbox that probably gave me the biggest push I think I got the most passionate about it, though, when I learned more about um, 
child abuse and some of the ways to help children be healthy and avoid being abused. So that's kind of where my passion really came in. Um, Mm -hmm. So along with that, maybe part of part of my bio back to that again is um, in that kind of study, I have also started doing a little bit of speaking with a better way to and talking about um, especially teaching kids and not so much the gentle parenting directly, but that's been part of that journey. But they definitely overlap. Yes. Um, the parenting techniques and or the, the caring for children, um, caring for their hearts and, and, and training children um, and, and protecting them from abuse. There's definite overlap there because confident yeah. kids are less susceptible to, um, to being abused. Mm-hmm. So just out of curiosity for the rest of you, um, what is your familiarity with the term even gentle parenting or what's your impression of what you know of gentle parenting or how did you learn about um, gentle parenting? Well, I, I stumbled onto it actually because after I left my husband, I had lost, well, he didn't, I didn't have them right away for about five months, we didn't know where they were. So I got them back five months later and they were, it was a messy situation. And I got them into counseling right away, but I was beside myself on how to help them realize that we could be a stable family. Uh, We'd been having problems before I left, which is one of the reasons why I left. It wasn't working. So after I got them back together, I said to their counselor, I said, I don't know what to do. It's like, I don't see that my children can develop a behavior pattern that isn't, um, that isn't, um, our behavior pattern has become one of, of abuse or reacting to abuse. So basically, um, I, I asked the counselor what to do. So, and the counselor is like, well, the methods that you used before with the consequences of like maybe punishment or whatever aren't going to work on your children. You said they've learned to react with anger and it's become a pattern of behavior that they've seen. And I understood that. And I understood why I was reacting because abuse in our home wasn't, wasn't that. Abuse in our home was a problem. Yeah. And, and because the kids witnessed so much abuse and I had been abused, um, they didn't know how else to act. So as I began applying different things that the counselor used to help me help them, uh, letting them have their space to calm down after a, a blow up, and, and which was not something like in, in, in my training as to bring children up, I was taught you deal with it right away. You know, you don't, so I had to learn and, and I felt very helpless at first. And we didn't really have the kind of situation, uh, the kind of, uh, I didn't have a good support team for that because nobody else realized that my kids were really traumatized. So I, I basically had to start all over learning a different style of, of parenting. And I really learned it late for my kids. So, and it didn't, it, I, I don't think that I've mastered it. I mean, I, I do okay, but my kids are teenagers and it's a lot harder to, to train teenagers. <laughs> And I'm not trying to train them. I don't know, build relationships of that, that result right. in positive changes. 
Right. So it's yeah. it's still new to me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I don't know that even I was just listening to a TBR podcast today and I was hearing these trainers who've been immersed in um, TBRI, which is trust-based relational intervention, which is based on, or which gentle parenting techniques are very similar to or, or same as. And they were, they were just talking about, these, these are folks who train other people about how they don't feel like they've mastered, <laughs> mastered mm-hmm. it either because a lot of, a lot of parenting, um, gentle parenting, parenting in general is, is about regulating myself, controlling myself. Um, and modeling that to my children. And we're all still Mm -hmm. learning to do that. And so Mm -hmm. do we master it? Well, we're all learning, we're all growing. And I think for our children to see us um, make our mistakes and repair our mistakes, we're modeling for them how, how to, yeah, how to, how to do relationships. And that's, that's kind of part of the core of gentle parenting. Mm -hmm. How about the rest of you? Oh, curious, Rosanna, did your, did your therapist did he give a name to this or did he just say, here's some, here's some approaches you can take? No names and no real, um, no real approaches because we almost had to deal with situation by situation. And I, like I said, I, I wish I would have had better resources, but I didn't. And I did what I could at the time. Yeah. Right. Right. How about the rest of you? Wait, uh, Mrs. Beachy, you're saying that you need time to learn something, that you can't just do it perfectly and just, oh. just hear it being said and just, <laughs> you know, obey it perfectly? I hey, it's wish. about it's about I two wish. different people getting along. <laughs> no, In other words, joke. you've got the parent I... and the children. <laughs> yeah. Mom yeah. can do everything I... right, but if the kids are having a bad day, it won't go right. If the kids are having a bad day, it might go a little haywire for mom. <laughs> and and <laughs> mom might as well just admit that she can't get everything done. She can't, she doesn't do everything right and well. She might as well just own mm-hmm. that because she's going to be a better parent when she does. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a joke Which is another good. Some sometimes like in Christian books, they like you know you have to expect perfection from your kids immediately. There is no learning process. They're just supposed to I don't know obey you from being babies or something. You know that's exactly what God expects of us, right? It just slashes around when we don't (laughs) when we don't like instantly respond with correct humility and whatever obedience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what I I come back to all the time. Go ahead, Sarah. Oh, I think that was the thing that that really started me thinking is I'm dealing with my children differently than the Lord deals with me and differently than the way my father that I rest and trust in um, deals with my heart. Um, And I, I did not have a mentor or anyone really to watch and see how to do differently. Um, So my husband and I just really uh, dug into different resources and individuals that we, we could find um, that modeled a different mm-hmm. pattern of behavior with their children. Um, I think I, I can tell you the moment that I said, okay, we've got to do something differently was with um, one of my daughters. Um, we, we used to spank and one of my daughters had cut her foot really badly and um, we lived in Africa at the time and we had to take her to a doctor to get stitches and the doctor um, did not have lidocaine to use. And so the stitches were just being put in um, without any pain relief. And um, 
it always makes me cry to tell this story, but yeah, um, her daddy and I were having to hold her still and trying to comfort her and reassure mm. her. And she started saying, um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll be good. And she oh, hadn't my. done anything wrong. And um, I realized this child does not have the mental and emotional capability to distinguish between when pain is really like um, the result of that behavior or just is happening to her. And how can mm. I use pain uh, to train her when she can't distinguish what it means? Huh. And I, I just, so I would, and then the other thing I would say is the Lord brought us across the book. And, and I honestly don't know if this guy is against thinking or anything like that, but um, it was a um, trip, not Ted trip the other one but his book was called um paul david his book was called parenting and it was 14 gospel principles and he just talked about modeling the gospel in your parenting and um it gave me a vision of being um to my children being being on at their advocate being on the same side as them and being humble in my parenting realizing i'm the adult i should be more in control of my emotions than them I should not expect them to I mean often we expect our children to behave in ways that we would struggle to do you know mm -hmm. and um and mm -hmm. and that just really starts sinking into my heart and mind and I'll have to say I I don't feel like saying a whole lot tonight because we have been through a lot as a family this last year and I feel like I've let some of my vision for it slip as far as um Mm -hmm. taking the time to invest in my children in the way that builds relationships and builds trust and um, allows us to thrive as a family. But yeah, we haven't let go of the vision. And I hope that tonight will be an, another encouragement to me to keep on keeping on with loving and grace and communicating. Yeah, you're not alone, mama. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So I, I'll just um, express where I am on this, and and I'm learn. I, I want to hear. I want to learn. I want to understand what you ladies are saying. Um, it's not something I have studied into. I've listened to some people talk about it. I raised a lot of children, mm -hmm. and. I made a lot of mistakes and I'm going to say here that the way I parented some of my adopted children was very differently from the way I parented my birth children. And that is something that I grieve very, very much. Um, but, so I am going to speak when, when I speak of the experience in parenting, I'm speaking about the way I parented my birth children because that was much closer to an ideal of parenting than the way I parented my adopted children. And so, um, and, and I made lots of mistakes with them. So if any of my adopted children ever see this, I am not professing to, to have parented them, you. <laughs> Um, with the standards that I'm speaking about. And uh, I've, I've talked to them. They, 
no, I, with the one, I don't feel that I did parent him differently, but two, two of them I did. Um, anyway, but I, I frankly cannot imagine raising children without spanking. I didn't personally have an anger issue with my children. I always felt very tender toward them when I spanked them. I, um, I don't remember that I ever spanked in anger. Um, and in fact, there were times when I, t I remember telling my son, I am not going to spank you because I feel really upset and I will not spank you when I'm upset. Um, so, and I tend to think that children really understand when they are loved, when they are supported. I appreciated what Sarah said about parent as an advocate. My children knew I was their advocate. Um, I, I just, I, I don't think they were ever confused about the love that spanked them. And I know that has been hideously misused where people say, I'm doing this because I love you. That's different than genuinely loving them and feeling like this was the best of them. Now that said, I wish I would have spanked maybe 120th the amount of times that I spanked or fewer. I overspanked way much. Um, and there was one little boy I had who I feel like is kind of on the spectrum, um, kind of a, you know, he's never been diagnosed, but he seems to be kind of high functioning Asperger's. And oh my, I, if I could go back and do that over and let me here put in that Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding the Heart of a Child, was one of the most devastating things that I read in regard to parenting him. Because now not only was he naughty and didn't know why he was naughty, but now I had to instruct him that it was because he had a bad heart. Oh. And that was very confusing to him. And that uh, probably, uh, that's one of my biggest regrets as a parent. I remember that little boy at seven saying, why can't I be good? And he was such a precious little soul. He still is. He's grown up now and married. But, um, <laughs> He just had to test all the boundaries, but he didn't, he wasn't rebellious in his heart. He didn't know why. And I had really easy children somehow, but I, I just, um, so I, I guess I want to learn. I, I know I spanked too much. I can hardly imagine raising children without that spanking. I saw so often, especially, yeah, we're, where spanking seemed like it just relieved them. It's like, oh, finally. Um, like when cumulatively, they would just do little naughty thing after little naughty thing after little naughty thing. And I, you know, nothing would change. And I would finally say, look, you are not listening. When mama talks, you have to, and you know, we'd go have a spanking. And it was like, they were just set free. I saw that more than once. And, but it was because there was a boundary now. And interestingly, I messaged my children today, my grown children, and said, we're going to do a podcast on gentle parenting tonight, and I don't have much education or experience, so the best I can do, I, my passion through this whole podcast is to tell the young women what I wish I would have known. And so to really understand, I've, I've gotten feedback from my children along the way, but I thought, I want to hear freshly from you. What did I do right? What was destructive? Tell me what, yeah. 
Only one responded. And he said, mm -hmm. you did very well with the comfort and nurture and caring. But the main place that you aired as a parent is that you didn't hold the boundaries that you put in place. Like I could be talked out of things pretty easily. <laughs> I could be manipulated. <laughs> That's very interesting because it's a son who has done much closer to the gentle parenting model. I have one son who's not spanking at all. And I watch his children and I have to say, he's got two toddler boys and there's as much peace in their home, more peace than in homes that spank from what I've seen. But let's wait till they have six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> and they're very humble about it. They said they don't, they don't know if, if this is right or if they're gonna be able to maintain it. But um, yeah, so that's my story. Yeah, yeah. Well, I see now I would have the opposite experience. We started out spanking and mm -hmm. we don't anymore. <laughs> Trisha, uh, Trisha, you too, huh? Yeah. So we, we, we became parents later in life. Um, I was 36, I believe, when Connor was born. And, um, and he is, um, we adopted him. And then God gave us, well, then we fostered. And it was actually through um, fostering um, that we started receiving, you know, getting training about alternative ways of, of, um, of parenting because you know you're fostering kids you cannot use um you cannot spank you cannot use some of the traditional methods that i would have been raised with and mm -hmm. through that we got connected with um we went to a power empowered to connect seminar um which um dr karen purvis is is mm -hmm. the big name there she's passed away but her work her work uh carries on at the um, Texas, oh dear, help me out here, Tricia. Is it uh, Texas? I've oh goodness, I have the book right here somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> it was her. It was her work. She pioneered the TBRI um, method of working with children with trauma. Super, super helpful for us um, in fostering, but also in um, in parenting our own our own children, adopted and biological though um the trauma that just is naturally part of adoption um yeah just has it creates a child with different needs than a, than a child who is biologically born into a, a family that's relatively healthy so anyway we're introduced to that but you know old patterns die hard and so we're just going to incorporate gentle parenting and tbri techniques uh, along with traditional parenting Y'all, it didn't work. It did absolutely not work, um, especially for our, our child who, who carries some trauma. Um, and I will never forget the day that my, I believe he was four years old, my son looked at me um, when I spanked him and he said, with the most, I mean, genuine, sincere, brokenhearted question, mama, you tell us not to hit, but you hit me, why? I don't know, Gwen. I don't know how you'd answer that. It, it pierced my soul. And we didn't spank after that um, through a series of, of, yeah, more conversations, more, more training, more whatever. Anyway, I 
I have come to see that the the patterns of relating this the, the the developing connection and attachment um, that build trust um, with a child really are pattern rather than using punitive measures to train a child is is patterned after God's way of relating to us His children, and so mm-hmm. yes, I mm-hmm. just can't go back, and and <laughs> and old patterns still do die hard, and I still. I still am retraining my mind, um, but I'm sold. I'm sold. I'm sold on it. So that's my story. So I'd kind of like to go back to a comment that Gwen made about boundaries. Um, and I think it sounded, Gwen, like perhaps boundaries for you included discipline correction and somehow spanking is a part of that. And if that piece is missing, then boundaries can't be maintained. I'm not sure. Can maybe Trisha, you want to speak to that? Like what do boundaries in, in, go ahead. Let me, let me explain. First of all, Sure. sure. I did not, this son did not say you should have spanked more. I don't think that's at all what he meant. Right. Um, and when I said boundaries, that may have been the wrong word. I probably okay. should have said just holding to making sure that they followed through and that I, that I gotcha. with, with it, like, um, okay. My, my little girl, when she was three was just out of hand. I, I poured out to another mother one time and it was a mother who had had much less experience than me. And she said, well, I know what her problem is. She doesn't know what no means. And I want, I I felt kind of offended, but I decided um, (laughs) that what I was doing was not working. I mean, she was out of hand. And she said, I have watched you. And every time you tell her to do something, she spent a lot of time, this lady spent a lot of time in her home. She said, she manages to talk you out of it or rework it somehow. And, you know, I actually did the, I said, okay, for one week then Jennifer, but I'm not going to, you know, this is a sensitive (laughs) little girl and I'm not (laughs) going to come down real hard on her. And for one week, I I really only had to do it two or three days before I saw a huge difference. It like it set the little girl free for every time I told her to do something. If she didn't obey there was consequences. It doesn't have to be spanking. In fact, I did the one, two, three parenting for a while. And actually that worked quite well to me. It's consistency. That is the key. Not, it doesn't have to be spanking, but I was not good at consistency. I could be easily talked out of things because of Jennifer. Grace couldn't talk me out of things really well after that, when she was little. (laughs) And that's a good thing because she's turned out to be a really beautiful person. She required minimal discipline of any kind from the time she was probably 11 years old so that is what I'm talking about I'm, I'm not saying that spanking has to be the answer I said that was the only criticism I heard of my parenting is that gotcha. I could be manipulated something that Gwen mentioned if I can if I can kind of riff off of that a little bit she mentioned um that when she spanked it was kind of like a reset and it kind of it kind of made me chuckle because I've actually done that with my kids a couple of times where we're 
one of um one of my boys and I are even multiple there's been days where we all are just not having a great day and I'll say okay guys I think we all need to reset and some days we literally <laughs> we literally go to bed and we're like okay we're gonna pretend it's morning we're not gonna eat breakfast again but we're just gonna start over like and and make it so we like do something to physically separate out that part of the day from the the that wasn't a good part of the day let's try this again and I'll t I'm, like we'll talk about it even beforehand and say okay what didn't go well why do we need to, like why is this not working and then we go usually take a little bit of a break um sometimes I wish it were a longer break because that's just how it is for me um <laughs> but give them a little bit of time and then say okay when, whenever you're ready we'll try this again let's go down and get started again it gives us a little break from each other a little time to think through how can I handle this better and it was just that I kind of compare it to the, the spanking gave that like separation this is done now we're trying it again um hmm. so that's something that I've tried and, and done that's worked really well there wasn't necessarily a consequence because as as you, different ones have mentioned we all end up having those times where things aren't going well. I don't regulate well. They don't regulate well, whatever the situation is. And we need a little bit of time to kind of reset and take time to handle our own selves. Sometimes it's me who needs the reset that, more. That is a key because I remember like my, I, I would tell my counselor, you know, my, my son, he slammed the door in his bedroom and he just went in there and I'm left out here like dealing with reeling with the consequences of what happened, I said, I'm upset, he's upset, and now what do I do? Literally, I said, now what do I do? And he's like, leave him alone, <laughs> leave him alone. He needs time to calm down. And when you were saying that, it just reminded me, yeah, they, and I learned that my son needed time to calm down. Like he, he was overwrought emotionally from either mm -hmm. not enough sleep, uh, too much sleep, not enough food, he's hungry, something happened that he got upset. There is a reason that kids act out. Right. And also just I, I was Always. getting upset because everybody else is upset. So yeah, giving learning, learning to use that time to calm down and then coming back in with the conversation. And it's just part of learning, actually learning to be a parent and learning to be a child, <laughs> but it gives you time to self-regulate. Like those words, mm -hmm. self-regulate they have a new meaning to me now. Yeah. You mentioned something really important to Rosanna and that mm -hmm. was recognizing that there are certain things that everybody doesn't handle their regulation well when they're mm -hmm. hungry, tired. Um, yes. There's an acronym for it that is not coming to, to mind right now, but the big ones for my kids were always hungry and tired. In fact, one of my boys would regularly, it was like for a week we had issues with him just getting angry and I was, and so I finally sat down with him. I used some of my teacher stuff here and um, said, okay, well, if you were in a classroom, I would be observing you and checking out what's triggering this. And so we're going to write down after we have one of these times and we calm down a little, we're going to write down what, what was going on when you got angry, what made you get angry and what else were you feeling? And we figured out mm -hmm. that in, I don't remember, we had, we probably took records of like 10 or 12 times that he got upset and in all but one of them hunger was an issue and I was like okay so we need to feed you better and <laughs> he hasn't he hasn't had as much trouble since we we simply knew okay he needs to be able to have access to something to eat 
when he's mm-hmm. starting to feel upset. So we did that and now we don't have that issue. So then my question is, if I had punished him for that, that wouldn't have gotten at that, that problem. Right. Is the acronym you're, you were thinking of HALT? Hungry, yes, angry, that's it. Lonely, tired. Lonely and tired. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's well, it. I need that. I need that, that now. <laughs> that mm-hmm. My kids are teenagers. Actually, yes. I need that for me. <laughs> yeah, it's right. true. It's for everybody. Yeah. It is. It is. And that highlights something else. And that is that when my children are acting out, mm-hmm. there's a need. And mm-hmm. that need isn't just to be have their behavior corrected. There is right. a real felt need beneath their behavior that needs to be addressed, comforted, dealt with. Um, and often, so just a very pertinent example is one of my, one of my children um, recently has been using a very whiny tone a lot. And I don't know about you mamas, mm-hmm. but oh, <laughs> good grief. I can't deal, y'all. I just mm-hmm. can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just want to get like, you know, whiny back or, you know, uh-huh. get after him for change your tone. Like, this is not okay. Talk, talk in a normal voice and you can ask me without whining and all that. But, but it, you know, I have to stop and think, okay, what does this child need? He's, he's, he's feeling for him. He generally whines when he's feeling overwhelmed. And so for me to stop, like we have to study our kids, right? We have to study our yes. kids. And I've learned that about him, that when he is overwhelmed, he gets whiny and very needy. And so we had a conversation just tonight, like you're feeling really overwhelmed, aren't you, son? Like you're whining a lot. And you know, that really is hard for all of us to hear, but what's, what's causing the overwhelm? And you know, when we talk through it, 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 it helps it, and it, it calmed him down, helped him to identify and even to release some of the burden he was carrying. Um, and he settled in, he said, and we'll have to have the conversation again, because what's causing mm-hmm. the overwhelm is going to be ongoing here for a bit, but, but identifying the need that the behavior is growing out of is so, so crucial. Well, mm-hmm. was the acronym again, hungry, angry, lonely, lonely. Tired. Yeah. And, and tired. Okay. Mm-hmm. Halt. Halt. Mm-hmm. So Trisha, I have a question. If you were talking to a mom who is like, okay, I want to move in this direction. Um, these are the only skills that I have as a parenting. What's the number one thing I should start implementing or working on with my children to move towards a more connected um, parenting style? Oh, goodness. Um, I like what Judy said about needing to study your kids, which maybe, I don't know if that's specific enough in in answer to your question or not, but it would be act as if your kids are your current, like project, the thing you need to know about. Um, that would be kind of where I would go with that, because if you know your kids, I think you're going to understand even more, um, how to best relate to them and how is how you're going to be able to effectively teach and and here you get the the teacher part of me again because I think a big part of gentle parenting is also the teaching them and that can include teaching them how to regulate their own emotions which guess what that requires you have to know how to do it yourself and that can be that can be quite a task to get to right 
I think one of the most, one of the most, um, I don't know, one of the biggest revelations or, or awarenesses for me in, in this whole journey has been that the only person I'm meant to control is myself, not even my children, uh, I'm meant to mm-hmm. control them. Yes. That was so, that was such a revelation, like, ah, oh, and such a relief. I yes. have, I control <laughs> myself, which models to them self-control. I do not, you know, using all these punitive measures of, of punishments and timeouts and and withholding privileges and all the things to try to control their behavior um it, it will it will control their behavior but that I'm is meant to control their behavior i meant to control mine mm-hmm. and to model to them how to how to move through whatever problem they're having in healthy ways not simply to shut down the behavior i don't like mm-hmm yeah, I think that for me, like, um, just, just, I, yeah, control is the opposite kind of thing that you want to do for your children, but that's a default upbringing style for me. It was mm-hmm. the default because Same. that's the way I was taught. So learning that it's not about control really helped me out. And then it also raises our kids to be, um, it raises our kids to be responsible rather than controlled by mm-hmm. external forces to be to be self-motivated and 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 to be thinking critically of their own choices instead of instead of relying on external forces to keep them behaving in ways that are acceptable and that's what i, I want i want to raise my kids to think for themselves and to make choices mm-hmm. for themselves not to be just making choices because the external forces are there, pushing them into the proper, whatever's defined as the proper responses and behaviors. Something do you that, work, I was going to ask, do you work with your children? Like, how do you teach them? Sorry, this sounds so dumb, but like I said, I am still learning and my children are sure. almost too old for this, but do you teach your children like grounding methods? Like, how do you, how do you teach them to pay attention to how they feel and think so that they can kind of tell you or help guide you through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, does that does that work? <laughs> am I you am know. I even crazy for asking that question? I mean, I don't know. Like, like no, I'm I'm gonna try and maybe give you an indirect answer if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. And then if you have any clarifying questions, feel free to ask. Then, um, what I discovered in my teaching. Um, when I was learning about how best to help kids learn was to give them positive instructions. I think that's probably what turned me off to spanking the most was because all it does is tell them what you did was wrong. It still doesn't tell them what you want them to do. So, okay, I was smart enough as a kid to figure out what my parents wanted me to do. Um, Sometimes I got the wrong message. My parents were dismayed to have learned um, fairly recently within the last five years that I actually told my younger siblings, if, if you cry, mom and dad will stop spanking sooner. So when they start to spank you, just start crying. That's not the message they were trying to give me, <laughs> but that's a, that's a lesson I learned really quickly. And they were like, oh, you were, you were so responsive to, to discipline. Well, of course I was, I didn't like being disciplined. So I learned, it wasn't the lesson they were trying to teach me. Um, So I was thinking, okay, well, what do I want my children to learn? What do I want them to do? And that's what I try to teach them and tell them. So, I mean, sometimes it's as simple as, hey, if you're hungry, 
let me know and I'll either be getting you lunch soon or I'll get you a snack. And that's just, yeah, teach them to communicate. When they're babies, it's a little harder, except for in some ways it's easier because if they cry, you know, they want something. And if you respond to the cries, then their cries let you know they want something. It's not 100% true. I know of kids who have trouble with pain and will cry when there's not something that you can do to help. But it is when they're little, crying is communication. It's almost more complicated sometimes when they get to where they can talk, but they don't recognize those feelings mm -hmm. uh, or they don't have the words for them yet. So that's where, mm -hmm. that's where asking the questions, are you feeling okay? Are you hungry? Are you tired? And sometimes even knowing because kids know that if they say yes to tired, oh, I don't like to go lay down. <laughs> um, sometimes even when I eat it. So did that get to the answer to your question at all, Rosanna? It's a little different when they're younger, I think, because sometimes yeah, it's just really simple. It's just really simple. Are you feeling okay? Do you need a hug is a big one that we use a lot with the younger ones. It won't work with mine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've met them. <laughs> okay, you I know. Yeah. Oh, but maybe I shouldn't break this in here. Rosanna, finish your, make sure you've clarified. I, yeah. I, I think that... My kids, okay, my two youngest kids are ADD, you know, that, and I think that there's not a lot of, even still as teenagers, there's not a lot of awareness or ability to say how they emote or how they think. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. sometimes like, like, I think sometimes like grounding techniques, you know, like, oh, my son had a headache today, a migraine. And I said, I kept asking him, are you okay? Well, I don't really feel good. And it took me a long time before I got out that his head hurts because he didn't, he's not that self-aware or else he doesn't have the words. He just feels it. So like, uh -huh. I was thinking maybe I should teach him, you know, a little bit of grounding tech. And, you know, we're talking teaching when I have teenagers, but mm -hmm. yeah, teenagers aren't grown up yet either. And, and even me as an adult, I had to learn a lot of this right. stuff as an adult because I never learned it when I was a kid. So and I, will, and I will also say with your children having some significant trauma, mm -hmm. there's, there's some disconnect for them. Um, oh, yeah. and you don't talk about how you feel. Right. Right. And so that you, we have to give our children the language for that. I used to, sure. and your children are too old for this as well, but I used to for, for my, my son, um, you know, I studied him. And so when I mm -hmm. saw him displaying specific emotion, I would name it for him and then name right. what I, as his mama, because we, he was with me all the time, what I was pretty sure the emotion was rising out of and name that for mm -hmm. him. Um, he still does not do that well at identifying on his own, what is causing his emotional responses. Mm -hmm but he's getting, he's getting there. And we, you know, we just ask the questions and we, you know, keep like you, like you did with your son today, just keep asking the questions mm -hmm. and pushing in and, and even naming for him sometimes what he, what he himself doesn't have the words for yet mm -hmm. um, to name helps. helps I love it though. Connections. I, mm -hmm. I love the hope, you know, you know, he wasn't feeling good. Guess when he came out laid on the couch, right beside me. I'm like, Oh, he still needs his mom yet. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know they don't. You're his safe person. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but and his room was hot. That helped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact is, you know, the fact is that 
I, it took me a few questions till I found out that he had a headache and his throat hurt and he was being a little bothered by a conversation that had, had been going on. But, and, and I think that if I had implemented asking questions, like I, like, I like that you said studying your child, getting to know them. The, the root issue is an anger. Mm-hmm. That the root issue is, is either woundedness or having lost something or needing or something fear. that you don't have or fear or fear. Yeah. So like, I love, I love thinking, and I wish I had known when I was a younger mom, like what are the primary emotions rather than the secondary emotion? But I always treated quote unquote, the secondary emotion, which is anger. <laughs> I'll ask the questions that our audience is going to be asking and you know, when we're, okay, because I have these questions. So we, when I had three little boys, five little boys, we lived in a corner where two highways came together and we didn't have a fence mm-hmm. around the yard. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm not supposed to control the child's behavior, and I'll just tell you, <laughs> frankly, I do try to control the behavior dangerous behavior of a two and three and four year old I do absolutely Um, so what do you do when the child goes past the spot in the yard that you have told them never never go past this spot um we had very little trouble with it because my sister-in-law had told me who also lived along a highway um the way you take care of a situation like that she says the first time they cross the boundary you spank them more severely than the offense deserves and they won't do it again. And I did, and they didn't. You tell me how to gentle parent a child from going on the highway. <laughs> this is good. That's a great, great question. You know what? I want, I want to know that too. <laughs> so I can teach my grandchildren. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what if somebody I, I, is is already spanking them very severely. How how very much more severely do you go? Do you well, let me tell you, there is no place for severe spankings of children. Like yeah. I, I usually figured four swats, and you know, they could be spaced a little. <laughs> and I love them after I talked to them before we started. And, you know, do you understand why I'm spanking you? And this idea, even what I just heard you say, Patricia, that it's punishing the bad behavior, but it's not telling them what we expect. I definitely explained to my children what I expected and why this was serious and so forth. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, I guess what I'd like to say is let's all agree and get it very, very clear that severe spankings are not supposed to be happening to children no. on, a, on a regular basis at all. And maybe, maybe when they're going to do something that's going to kill them? I don't know. I did, but, you know, um, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I have a little story that, that really opened my mind. Um, I talked to an older woman whose children were all grown. She had five, and they all have a loving, close relationship with her as adults. And I thought, I'd like to have that with my kids. And I asked her, what did, what did, spanking because I knew they did spank look like in your home and she was like well I hardly ever did it um but if if I did it was it was three swats and I was like three swats I don't know the way I grew up three <laughs> swats would not even be considered a spanking and right. I said man if she, 
raise such solid adults with three squats on a rare occasion, thinking isn't all it's it's uh, <laughs> built up to be. You know, that's not the primary ingredient in good in in good parenting. And I guess for me, um, when my kids are still little, we live on a major highway. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do use timeouts. It's not that we don't have consequences. Like, um, and, and they may, if they, I have very clear boundaries in our yard. If they cross those boundaries, um, my little ones may come in with me for the rest of the day and not get yep. to go outside again. Oh, you do so time like, ins. I love that. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> close. Yeah, close to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. When I had little ones, we lived right along a highway too, and if we went out the door. If they went off the sidewalk, they would be on a highway and semis came by regularly. There was no room. (laughs) There was no room for, for, you know, risking a child's life. Um, So we had teaching times was a part of it. We would walk up to the library. So they learned and I would hold their hands. That was the big thing. If we went out, I had to hold their hand. And if they didn't want to hold my hand, I would tell them, especially when they were little, well, this is not a safe place to be. When it came to the backyard, which we could go out the back door and we had a backyard, um, the rule was if they didn't stay back on the grass, because that was that was kind of kept them in the safe area, then they weren't allowed to go outside without mom. So it was it was sort of that time and thing. They had to stay with mom. If I wasn't outside, then they could they could stay with mom. And it didn't mean that there was necessarily a punishment, but I kept an eye on them when they were little, if they were outside there and they didn't get to go back outside if they went outside that grass. And so that actually gave a buffer area. I like how you said, you know, there's a certain spot they weren't to go past. You kind of had that same concept there. There's a little buffer area where, okay, this is where you're getting to where it's, it's, you're not going <laughs> to, you're not going to die yet, but it, I know that you're not following directions and you're not safe. So yeah. that was kind of what we used, just a, a place where this is too far even though it wasn't dangerous yet, but it let me know that they weren't going to be listening and obeying. And they, mm-hmm. um, all of them got to a point where even if they didn't always obey in other, other smaller issues that weren't, you know, <laughs> deathly, they always stayed back there because they knew that that was, that was the limit that they couldn't go play. So I don't know if that answers your question as much, but that's kind of how we handled I, I think, it. Well, I think, I took being very involved. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and I showed them what would happen if there was like, you see that truck going, do you see how sure. fast it's going? They could never stop if you stumble across there, you know, not that I would yeah. fear of them, but like, it's just <laughs> so, kind of well, explain, look, this is what, see how fast they're going, you know, they don't, it yes. takes a long time for them to stop, you know, so you can't do this road and kill. they were. <laughs> well, I didn't show them road kill. <laughs> Well, we had, we had friends whose cat got hit on the road oh. and it was, you know, it was very, very dead vivid. <laughs> and, and, and very dead and very vivid. And so it's like, you know what, this is what will happen to you if you mm. go out on the road. And, mm-hmm. and then my son was probably three at the time. He's like, well, I know what, how about we all go out on the road together and we get dead together and go be with Jesus. And I'm like, oh, wait, okay. <laughs> that would be great but not yet okay right (laughs) but but what I I think one thing Trisha is that you had consequences for choices if you choose to cooperate with the boundary then you are choosing to enjoy the privilege 
If you mm -hmm. choose to not cooperate, then you choose to have the privilege of being with mom. And you were laying out for them clearly, this is the choice. Which do you mm -hmm. want? And I think, I think empowering our children with the choices of when you choose this, this is the consequence, good or bad, that goes with it. When you choose yes. this, now, which would you, which do you want? And, you know, kids mm -hmm. are amazing. They are really mm -hmm. good at being able to identify what, what, what yes. consequence, what outcome they really they do want. want when you talk through it with them. Mm -hmm. so that's I think that's for me a big, sorry, Rosanna. I was just going to say that's practical help, you know, like, because that's that's how they learn to make choices, whether good or bad, because they can see yeah. the result. It's a natural outcome of good teaching. But yeah, I want to hear what talk. you have to say, oh, Sarah. I was just going to say that I know for myself, when I heard people using a phrase like gentle parenting, I assumed they meant consequence-free parenting. The children run the roost. Um, they <laughs> no, they have no. no, yeah. And and I when I realized it's not that and. One thing that became a conflict for me is I had I had accepted a position of nonviolence in the world, and then I was like, and yet here I'm exercising violence against mm -hmm. the very mm -hmm. smallest yeah. members of society and the and mm -hmm. the very weakest people, and I was like, this is inconsistent with my values as a person. If I believe the world can be changed in better ways, mm -hmm. then my children must be able to be changed in better ways too. Um, and so I realized, yeah, there's choice making, learning that, that there are consequences, good and bad from choices, and that we don't have to use violence to affect positive change um, was a big mind switch for me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Do you think that, no, I was going to say, no, I'm going to say it. Do you think that having been raised with authority, which is it authoritarian or authoritative? That's the bad one. Authoritarian. I always get this yeah. mixed up. If we were raised with authoritarian parents, could it be that that's why we have such a problem with violence in our homes? I mean, as in like a child abuse or even sexual abuse, is that why we don't understand the process of respecting the less fortunate? Like Are as in our wives or... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. This is this is this whole yes. this whole idea of authority. I'm the boss. You're down here. I'm mm -hmm. going to control you. Is what is bringing mm -hmm. bad things into our faith today, or our if you think today. about it, if you think about it, you train a child that the grown up is always right and always to be obeyed, and a grown up comes and does something to that child. It doesn't matter if they like it or not. The mm -hmm. grown ups in charge. They don't have any reason to understand that it's okay to tell somebody what somebody you know what this other grown-up did to them that wasn't right because they're the grown-ups mm -hmm. and they're the ones who are the boss and they're right so mm -hmm. realistically helping them understand that actions have consequences for everybody yeah even mm -hmm. for me helps mm -hmm. them to recognize when something is done that's wrong and to then say hey this this is not right this this should be known this should be reported I see that a lot in my kids they have a totally different sense of what's right than I did for me it was what the grown-up said was right and for my kids it's like what God wants us to do is right and yeah. and we should do you know what, what people do has you know has results mm -hmm. so that's kind of yeah that's definitely something I can see 
And I even go so far as to say that I don't train my kids to obey me. I train Mm -hmm. my kids to think through the consequences and choose the ones they want. And Mm -hmm. sometimes, yeah, sometimes that does mean they have to choose. Am I going to obey mom knowing that if I don't obey her, then I'm not going to get this privilege because that's, that's in her, you know, that's in her Mm -hmm. realm of authority or not. And it's okay to choose not, but you have to be ready for those consequences. And that's something that I kind of talk to them about too. If you make that choice, just know there are consequences for it. I experience that as a grown-up all the time. I mean, if if I go to work and I show a plate, well, there's a consequence for that. Right. But right. it's a choice mm-hmm. I made. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, that that's kind of when, when I get stuck on that, oh, but I don't feel like that's nice. I'm like, if they were grown up, what would happen if they made this choice? Then I need to make mm-hmm. sure that they understand those choices have consequences. That's probably how I'm able to be as consistent as I am and I still have room to grow so Mm -hmm. wow I'm learning a lot still I remember drawing a blank it was like it was as clear as day because I felt so helpless because the counselor told me you know what are the natural consequences of his actions and I'm like I don't know I don't even know I'm a parent and I don't know I don't know what to even allow my son to experience as consequences because I was not raised like that. And, mm-hmm. and I began to realize that I really was put in a, in a bad position, you know, because you have to be grown up before you can teach anyone, really. Grown up in a lot of ways, uh, mentally and, and spiritually, you have to learn that it's okay to say no yourself mm-hmm. before you can teach a child that it's okay to say no. Because if you don't feel good about saying no, you're going to think your child is wrong for saying no, but your child may not be wrong for saying no. Right. I don't believe a lot of times children are allowed. I believe now that children should be allowed to say no. I don't feel like it and be allowed <laughs> to do something a little bit later. <laughs> but I think that children oh, should, we, should yeah. know what's important. We allow I, for compromises in our household. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so mom gives an instruction and, and the child, our children are allowed to protest. Um, mm-hmm. of course we want, we want them to be able to do that in ways that are honoring, but to, you yes. know, to, to give dissent and to offer another option. Like, how about if wow. I do this mom instead? Well, that's, that's what we all as adults do. We negotiate, mm-hmm. we, we try to work out what works best for my needs and your needs. Um, and, and so I, I want to empower my children to be able to do that with me as a parent. Like, yeah, yeah. They, I want them to honor what I'm asking them to do, but also I want to take into account their needs. So they're reading mm-hmm. a book and I say, come empty the dishwasher. Um, you know, instant obedience is what we, we demand, right? Get over here right now. <laughs> no. How about mom? Mom, I'm almost finished this chapter. Can I finish this chapter first? Well, certainly. Go go ahead. Just come right as soon as you're done. You know, that is allowed and that is healthy. And I want that for my children. And yeah, also I do- do-overs. Do-overs are huge. <laughs> and I, <laughs> yes. I don't offer do-overs. I, need, I like do-overs for my own self. But I'm not that great at always remembering to offer them to my children when my children are dysregulated or when they are... Um, acting out or, or speaking disrespectfully to just mm-hmm. stop and say, wait a sec, wait a sec. Let's take a deep breath. Would you like to try that over? Would you like mm-hmm. to try a different response? And, 
you know, sometimes no, they don't want to. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. Sometimes we don't want to. We're human, whatever. Mm-hmm. But but sometimes that can be huge. Um, yeah, that can be huge to help a child to just have a, a mini reset right in the middle of of something that's difficult for them. Sometimes I've learned I have to do that myself. Mm-hmm. I have if I do something or say something to one of the, the the kids, and I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry, I did not do that appropriately. Yeah. Let me try again. And often yeah. they will. <laughs> yeah. I would actually say usually, yeah. especially if I tell them, you know, I realized that what I did wasn't right. Would you let me try yeah. again? Yeah. Kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have big hearts. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they really do. And, and I, one thing that we're not specifying very well here that can make a lot of difference is what age children we're talking about because <laughs> like yes. with my students I, I it was very important to me especially with the later ones when I had could already look back mm-hmm. on some mistakes that I had made and now do it better because there was 20 years from my oldest to my sure. youngest um so yeah with my teens I would I would we'd talk about the issue I would ask them is this really how you want to be doing this? Is this what you want to be doing with your time? Is, is, are you happy with what's happening here? And they usually weren't any happier with it than I was, you know? <laughs> and yeah. then, then, uh, then I say, so what would be a good concept? Uh, what do we want to do? And then once we put in place how we actually wanted things to be, then we discuss together, what would be a good consequence to make sure we stay on track with this? Mm-hmm. And and it was amazing. Their cooperation when they had helped to set yes. the behavior and the, and the appropriate consequence, it was huge. It was so much different. But you really can't do that with a two-year-old. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I still have lots of questions, but I've also heard a lot of really <laughs> beautiful things. And, yeah, I, I don't wish I could do it over. I'm too tired, but, (laughs) (laughs) and I do think there is a sense in which spanking is, is a kind of a lazy way to parent. Um, but I don't feel like I spanked in a lazy way. I mean, I, I was very invested in my children, but it, it still is handier and more concise than taking all the extra time that I see some of my children taking who don't spank or spank very little. And sometimes it's simply the one tool that we actually have and know about. I think that's the thing that I started out because that's what I knew. That's what I had in my mm-hmm. toolbox. I kind of, at one point before I, before I said, you know, I'm, I'm out, no more spanking. I had actually said, well, okay, so spanking is a tool in your toolbox, but you should have so many other tools and make sure you use the ones that really work and fit. So, I mean, in my mind, it was okay. There, it, it, works well for this one, you know, for these situations. I shouldn't say this one because it's not, you know, one specific thing, but um, but there's so many other ways that are more effective for other things. And then, like I said, I've, I've kind of moved on from there too, but yeah, I, I definitely feel like sometimes it was simply the one tool that I had that I started out with. Right. And shame and fear mm-hmm. are powerful motivators mm-hmm. for behavior. But, but they will never, and maybe this is a good place to wrap up and, and we can come back next season and, and just, just visit this topic again, because 
it's a huge, it's a huge topic. And I love chatting about mm-hmm. it. It's been great having you on Trisha, but fear yes, and, and shame are powerful motivators to control mm-hmm. behavior, but they do control. not, they, they control behavior. They do not affect healthy change mm-hmm. that actually mm-hmm. gives a person agency to make good choices for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and so using punishing measures to control a child's behavior, it works. And that's why parents continue to use those types of methods to, to parent their children. But it doesn't give a child the, the inner resiliency and strength and agency to make healthy choices ongoing. And as mm-hmm. someone mentioned, it can lead to perpetuating the pattern of control on other weaker people around them. And I'm not interested in, I'm not interested in perpetuating those kinds of patterns and systems. Right. I, I guess I have a question and maybe you guys want to finish or pick it up next season. Um, so like, what would you say to people who say that by not doing it a certain way that you're just throwing out scripture or like, throwing out, you know, that it's like you're, you're questioning something that should not be questioned. It's, it's sacred and it's so essential to Christianity. And then what, what would be also, like you guys all come from conservative backgrounds. So what would be like the flip side that you are not advocating for? Like, I don't know, you know, like the other end of the spectrum, like the permissive, like, or non-parenting or, or whatever it is like what because you know neglectful podcast, parenting right <laughs> and permissive from, parenting yeah. because permissive parenting doesn't give a child any guidance yeah so, so we want to direct the child in the way he should go but we also teach the child in the way he should go we love the child so that they know they're loved and valuable so we we actually do a lot of positive things for a child Rebecca, I would say about the people who feel it's unscriptural, and I think I'm glad you brought that up because that's a really important point. Mm -hmm. There is no scripture in the New Testament about physically spanking a child. And even though I spanked, and I can hardly imagine raising a child without any spankings at all, (laughs) I'm open to the possibility. Um, Still, I it can spanking really cannot be defended from scripture because the old testament is full of (laughs) lots of methods i mean a rod for the back of fools and then people say well fool you know foolishness is bound in the heart of a child and the rod of correction there there's just a lot of, of brutality and methods in the old testament that are not part of what jesus the the new and better way that jesus brought to us and if, if that was even hinted at in the New Testament, then we'd maybe have something to discuss. But uh, unless you're going to obey all the rest of that Old Testament stuff about how to treat people that don't behave, um, have a hard <laughs> Yeah, that's out. true. They, they thank, thank you all their problems physically back then. I, mm-hmm. That was just the world. Well, and I, and I, just, I just go back to what Sarah O stated. That if I am committed to the way of Jesus, of nonviolence, then I will refuse to use violence, physical violence against any member of society, 
especially the smallest and weakest and most vulnerable. And so I don't, mm -hmm. I don't, which is, which is, which is scriptural, really. Um, mm -hmm. It's really just so hard. Said. Yeah, that was beautiful, but it's so hard for me to see the loving spankings that I gave my children as violence. I, you know, I'm, I'm just not I, ready to apply violence to the word there because I don't think they felt violated. I don't think they felt like violence was being done against them. Now, on the other hand, when it's done abusively, oh yeah, that causes all kinds of problems. But um, Roseanne, it's just like the difference between what you said your mother and your father, the effect their spankings had on you. I still think the basis of this is are we really looking out for the what's best for that child or are we trying to satisfy I, some need in ourselves? I, I'm not going to go and say my mom was wrong, but I see things now that I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I love my mom, but my mom didn't give us a choice to say no either. And I just think that, that, that okay, so we were afraid to be spanked because we knew it would hurt. But mm -hmm. knowing what you should not do is not a motivation. You should be knowing what you should do, like Patricia said. And I think that like, you know, as much as I love my mom and hate saying this, my mom made mistakes too. And, and, sure. and I, I think that, I just think that, oh, this is bad because I know I made mistakes too. And I'm, and I'm going to just go right out and say that, like half, well, three-fourths of the way I parented was wrong, and I'm living with the consequences now. But, and, and some of it had to do with, you know, abusive, just my own abusive relationship that I was in. But all the same, I think now that I, I know some things that I would like to apply, or wish I could have had the chance to apply later, or earlier in my life, but it's not, it's not easy to look back and say, you know, I was wrong about everything that I thought. Um, I made mistakes and we can all grow and learn. I tell my kids, we can learn from it and grow now. We don't have to be stuck in the past. You know, life, life didn't hand us this and say, okay, Fuliana, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna be stuck here the rest of your life. God gave us a choice, a way, and a future and hope. And, and there's no looking back and saying, well, I'm screwed up then, you know, I'll be that way the rest of my life. But anyway, I'm rambling a little but um, <laughs> Yeah, my mom, my mom was not a, a, a good enough parent, but she would not, neither her nor my dad. They had experienced, both experienced so much trauma in their lives that I think, uh, looking back, I can see where it was going. But I think that I and my children could try to do better and learn different ways. And that's why I'm interested in learning more about gentle parenting. Um, something that I always hear is even kids always love their parents and they don't often, I, like even adults whose parents are clearly abusive and neglectful will say that their parent loves them and they will not often they, they are unable to or they won't identify what their parents did that wasn't. They'll always say it was my fault too. I deserved it. Like there's, there's that yeah. kind of... That's, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what that left me with, mm-hmm. I yes. that's going to be so painful. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can survive that. And so right. I will deny the reality so that I can continue the way I have. Um, I've seen that as well. Yes, but uh, mm-hmm. there's always but, but like the, yeah. Uh, no, no it's just a thought that people will say that you know it. Yeah, I'm fine. That everything turned out okay. So I'm just going to do this exactly the way. <laughs> their parents I got spanked and I turned out fine yeah exactly that's <laughs> right, the most right. that's, it that's not so yeah they won't question the method because they you know but but it's like what you said yeah, yeah. yeah and what right. you put into a child what was put into you determines who you are so when you get to questioning who you are based on what was done to you despite or, or yeah because if you question who you are it's a very unsettling feeling and yeah, and knowing yeah. that the results knowing that in other words to say i was spanked and i and i turned out a little bit fearful and a little bit easier too submissive it's looking at weaknesses in yourself that you actually have to look at because if you were raised with fear and raised out of fear based behavior then you're going to be fearful and you're going to be worried about what happens to you and, and worried about changing because change is something to be afraid of. But it's not necessarily, you don't have to go there. You don't have to stay there. You can always change for the better and you can always be sure of who you are. See, Jesus came to set us free from the past and free from what was done to us. He came to, to create a new heart within us so we can have hope for the future. And we can look at ourselves knowing that we don't have to be perfect in order to be loved and accepted. So there, the whole message of what you're, what you, what people are, are learning or have learned through abuse about themselves is it just ties into this whole thing about their fathers. Yeah. Because if I Jesus couldn't trust came. my dad, how can I trust God? Yeah. Jesus came to connect us to the Father, mm-hmm. and and I think that is the goal of any parent who loves their child is to maintain connection heart connection with their child because when we have heart connection with somebody then we both can be growing and we both feel safe we all have you know our well-being is secure Mm -hmm. and so and so anything that we do that breaks that connection is is going to be damaging and for for me (laughs) i i saw i saw spanking break my connection with Mm -hmm. with my children um, my kind, I, I apparently didn't have the same kind of, 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 of whatever that some of you are describing, because even when I did not spank, you know, even when I was calm and kind and all the things, I still felt a broken connection with my children mm-hmm. and so to do this other, to do this other, these other, these other techniques that empower my children to, to, to make their own choices maintains maintains my connection with my heart connection with them which i believe models what our father did when he sent his son 
and was so deeply connected to his son and his son came to connect us back to our father as well and that's what I want for my kids I'm going to go back to something Rebecca asked. She asked about scriptural basis. And so after, oh, after yeah. this is a great place to, um, there is a place in Ephesians 6 verse 4 that addresses fathers and how they should relate to their children. It says, don't provoke your children to anger, but raise them in the admonition and instruction of the Lord. I think mm. different versions have different uh, words there, but the point I, I kind of thought it was interesting because there it says, give them the instruction, teach them, and don't provoke them. And I think that kind of sums up kind of what we've been saying pretty well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. That's and beautiful. I guess it's important for kids not to idolize their parents. Because like it says sometimes, you know, like adult or grown kids, they would, you know, it, it's not uncommon for kids to, to over idolize and have a very like you know put the parents on a pedestal as if they're absolutely right you know in every way sometimes that happens <laughs> or or the idea that you know the end kind of justifies the means i kind of feel like scripturally mm. just as a general principle that sometimes it turns out right not because the means or because human beings were right it's because god is gracious god. And yeah. like the story of Joseph, like you meant it for evil, but God turned it out for good. Now, obviously, I'm not saying like evil <laughs> in this context, but there's a case of like, I always feel like God can hit a straight, um, yeah. like an arrow on the bull's eye with a crooked, yeah. but the arrow could be crooked or with, you know, the bow could be broken, but God can still land it on the bull's eye. But mm -hmm. then sometimes... I'm, I'm counting on that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I really, I really am because I can sit here and, and I, my husband and I, we, you know, I laugh about this with him. I can sit here and talk all the theory all day long and I got it. Like, I think mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I kind of understand how this all works and whatever. When it comes to living it out with my little human beings in my household that sometimes make me crazy, whew, when the rubber hits the road, I'm just, I, I'm not living the theory that I can spout so well. Um, and actually my husband does a fabulous job of living it. Could he speak it to you? Probably not. I mean, he just lives it. He's, he, it's, it's part uh -huh. of his fiber. It's the fiber of his being. And so like, I'm counting on what you're saying, Rebecca, that the grace of God is going to cover and, and fill in the cracks where I fail my kids. And yeah, whether, whether I do it well or not, there's grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And our kids are creating, giving grace. I, my kids yeah. found out that I was going to be on a podcast tonight. My oldest son goes, yeah, mom's a really good parent. And this Aww. is, I was like, that kind of means a lot coming from a kid who's a teenager now. Aww. Um, Aww. That's but it, it, it is really sweet. But I will say the one thing that I think that meant, meant the most to me was having a discussion with him one night, <laughs> just talking about some of I mean, growing up and what it means and what it's like and different decisions he gets to make. And he goes, you know what, mom, I've learned that the smartest thing I can do is ask you and, and at least consider what you're saying. And I was like, whoa, because when I was growing up, it was like when my parents told me to do something, I did it because I had to. For him, he's actually looking at it as it's smart for me to consider what you're saying. And I was like, that kind of, that's kind of important because that's something that I didn't learn until after I'd been away from home for a while because until I left home that's just I did what they said and I didn't necessarily consider 
you know, what my options were and what, why that was a good option. And he's doing that. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool to me. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, this has been a good conversation. Um, I think we should visit it again, this topic, <laughs> next season. I believe this is our last episode for season two of the Kingdom Women's Podcast. But um, we've, yeah, if you have any questions or any comments regarding this topic of parenting, um, yeah, send us an email, a message, send us, yeah, comment under the Facebook video. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And we look forward to seeing you next season. And maybe we can have you back again, Tricia, and um, continue this conversation. Thank you. I enjoyed being here. The Kingdom Women Podcast is a member of the Kingdom Outpost Podcast Network. For more articles and podcasts and resources regarding living in the kingdom, go to www.kingdomoutpost.org.